The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hassif. Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side, and I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, and it is a another not, Tuesday. Another Tuesday. Some snow flurries coming down on the way in. Did you actually see mm, them? Yeah, a few. Okay, my husband warned me about the weather today because, as you know, I have a car that does not perform. Oh, it'd be sweet in the snow. No, I'd be having a lot of fun with that. On a, in no, a parking lot. No, yeah. Well, in a parking lot, yes. I was actually, we, we had a signing appointment this morning for uh, an investment client. So for our listeners today, um, we're on the investment segment mm-hmm. today, right? Yes, we're going to be talking we sure about, are. yeah, we're going to be talking about 1031 tax deferred exchanges. That's right. Hot tax talk I know. today. Everyone gets super excited. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have Philip David here from Banash Real Estate, t- 1031 Actually, tax exchanges. I, I heard it was Banash. Oh, Banash, excuse me. Yes. yes. Well, because as we were talking right before the show, yeah, it's named after his children. That's oh, right. Excellent. It's named after my children. Yes. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Which, which so, their names are? Benjamin and Ashley. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. So that's how we found out the proper pronunciation. I haven't heard of a child named Banash before. Uh, Yes, exactly. Just dogs, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, so Banash Real Property Exchanges. So we're going to be talking about that exciting topic, which, you know, frankly, I just got done posting on Facebook that we were going on live right now. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, don't think it's dry and dull. It's like, hey, if you have rental property, this is totally the show you want to get in. Yeah, you should be listening in. Yeah, because there's going to be fascinating info. So, you know, the thing was, was we were just at a signing appointment this morning. We had to drive all the way from Linwood, right? You know Mm -hmm. I live in Renton. Right. So I leave my home office, go to pick up Jen, who lives in kind of the Seward Park area. We drive to pick up the client in Leshi. We go all the way up to Linwood because the places they're buying are in Linwood and Edmonds. So we drive up there. And of course, my husband's like, so you know it's going to snow today, right? And I'm thinking, oh, God, please not where we're at with the client. (laughs) I don't think we're going to have much of trouble. It's not quite cold enough to stick, at least yet. I know, but, you know, even even icy roads, because I have rear-wheel drive on Mm -hmm, my car, are not the best. But I was telling our customers, because we mentioned to them that snow might happen, and they're from California, Mm -hmm. where it's always really warm where they're at. And uh, they were like, oh, we think snow's pretty. And I said, you know, I started talking about my car. I said, yeah, we're in Jen's car, because my car, one, doesn't fit all of us, because it's only two people. But then, two, in snow... You don't want to be in it. Forget it. And I said, I've been in it in snow on the highway by the airport where I had to do a full, I didn't have to, my, my car went into a full 360 spin mm. on the highway in the middle of the roadway. And amazingly enough, I never got clipped by That's the six lucky. cars that went by at that same time. But it was it was uh, an exciting time, just as exciting as 1031 Exchange conversation will be today, Absolutely. I think. Had me on the edge of my seat. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) 
But anyway, I want to know, since most of our listeners are aware, we mm-hmm. talk often in the first segment about rates. Are those yeah. going to put us on the edge of our seat? You know, you sit back and, and relax today. So far oh, this week, we're, we're wonderful. fine. We're stable. I like that. We had that. A, little bit of a little bit of a rally, putting just a slight amount of downward pressure on interest rates at this point. I wouldn't, uh, nothing like we had uh, pre-election, uh, but, okay. but at least they're not going up. You know, so we're staying at a we relatively like stable. Seems to be a technical battle with the bond traders right now at this point, you know, kind of trying to decide where, where are the barriers on the rates? Are they going to go higher mm-hmm. or lower right now? We're just kind of bouncing around. So conventional 30-year fixed rate conforming loans where the national average today is 4.12%. 15-year fixed rates are averaging around 3.32%. Okay. So down a little bit from last week. Yeah. And uh, a jumbo... 30-year fixed rates averaging around 4.125%. Slightly down, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah just we were a up bit. around okay. four and a quarter uh, last okay. week. So, And FHA 30-year fixed rates around 3.75%. Awesome. So we're looking looking okay. Speaking of FHA, yeah. didn't I see you post something on Facebook just the other day that I the uh, PMI, it's, is it PMI that's going to have a reduction? Yes. It's it's very rare that, that things At become private mortgage insurance. Well, on FHA loan, it's really not private. It's government. Well, it's true. true. And it's called MIP. It's a mortgage right. insurance premium. Correct. And with FHA loans, this is a government-insured loan. Basically, the bank makes an FHA loan, but FHA... Mm-hmm insures it. So if the right. if the borrower defaults on the loan, it covers the bank's loss. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, FHA uh, mortgage insurance is charged two ways. They charge an mm-hmm. upfront fee, which yep. is expensive. It's 1.75% yes. of your loan amount, yep. but that can be financed. That can be added onto the loan balance. Mm-hmm. But then there's a monthly charge as well. And that is going down by a quarter of a percent, which <gasps> is significant. Lovely. And yes. it's effective. Guess when it's effective? Right away? Yeah. As of January 1st? Pretty much as of January 27th. Any loans closing are are going to be eligible. And just to put that into perspective. Okay, wait a minute. Any any loans closing. So if you already... If you're starting now, if uh you even have a loan in process now... You'll get the benefit? We believe. We're still waiting for clarification from FHA because this just happened yesterday. Okay. Um, But we believe you should be able to close with the new numbers. Okay. If so, you have time, you definitely need to talk to your lender about I was going to say, be uh, having a conversation for sure. Most definitely, yes. Okay. But, but that's the, the, the guidance that we're, we're anticipating at, at this point. Okay. So the, the, um, that's the, good news. Let's put that into perspective though. Let's say Please you have a, a loan for $300,000, mm-hmm. FHA. Right. Your mortgage insurance under the current system would be $212 a month. With the new numbers, it would only be $150 a month. That's $62 a month less. Which means you could possibly qualify for more. Well, that makes a big difference. That's yeah. right. And on a $400,000 loan, your premium would go from 283 a month down to $200 a month, so saving you $83 a month. That's fantastic. On a $500,000 home, our typical Seattle mm-hmm. starter house, yeah. your premium would go from $354 a month to 250 so that's nice. 100 and over $100 difference, $104 difference. That makes a huge, huge yeah, difference it, on what you can actually qualify for. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. Even that last scenario, if you kind of look at the difference in that payment, that's almost um, almost $50,000 in more buying power, mm-hmm. which which helps to really make up for these these higher interest rates that we've got compared to a couple of months ago. You know, you know who we need to send that information out to? Who? 
all the people who just attended our first time homebuyer class. Yes, absolutely. They'd be the perfect group to hear about that. That's absolutely, which was a great class, by the way. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. I didn't get quite through. I was telling Jen today, I didn't quite get through all of my material this time. I but, know. But, uh, you know, you hear it's a five-hour class and everyone's like, oh my gosh, but there's so much content. We almost... It's it's hard for us to get through all of it, and of course we had right. a guest speaker with James right. coming in talking about inspections and such. But well, still, that that is the the official first time buyer class. You know, mm-hmm. it's five hours, but p- folks that take that class become eligible for special financing, yeah, zero down loans, as well as uh, tax credits, yes, which are which are really cool. Yes, and uh, and it never fails. Every time you know we talk about those things, people are like, I didn't know that. And every time you talk about about the real estate process and agency and mm-hmm. all the things that people have to be concerned about. Oh yeah. Nobody knows anything about that. Yep. So yep. it's uh, it's really Try and give fun them good to, information. Yes. Well, I even I brought from that class, we brought up some uh, statistics that uh, were going on for the area. So uh, when you're finished up with some yeah. of the mortgage stuff, I I'm going to touch base on some of that. Uh, Definitely. Are, are you? Do you have some more mortgage stuff? I, for actually, us? no. Mortgage but I news? have a really good segue into your market. Your market oh, data. Please do. <laughs> so the the segue is that there's some statistics that came out today also that foreclosure levels mm-hmm. are down again. Yes, we're back to yeah. normal. What we call normal levels. Yes, which so is pre two thousand one point two percent or something like that, isn't it? Typically, yeah, or um, somewhere in that this range. This is kind of looking at it, sort of um, the uh, not so much the the number, the percentages, but the numbers. Uh, but but right now, for instance, in November, is um, it percentage a number? Uh, but kind I don't of. have the percentages. Okay, all right, just numbers, asking. Just so asking. Okay, I don't know what percentages <laughs> of what those are, but basically, we're down. <laughs> 35,000 fewer foreclosures uh, in November compared to a November a year ago. Excellent. And that's really yeah. good, really good news to see. Yeah, I, so, I'd read a similar report that came through uh, DS News, which is uh, distress say, or servicer yeah. news. So, And I do have a percentage for you here. So okay. compared to the peak of foreclosures, mm-hmm. which is 2010, yeah. we're down 78%. That's so beautiful. That's, that's a really good number. Beautiful news. Yeah, it's it's healthy now. Yeah, uh, we're just not seeing the foreclosures. There are still some out there. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, there are. I have some people I'm working with right now, but that's that's a rarity. It's a rarity now versus you know because like we had a couple people at our class who asked a bit about foreclosures and even auctions, and they're out there, but they're mm-hmm. just not so common. Yeah, I mean, to give it put into perspective, nationally, mm-hmm. there's about 325,000 homes out there that are that are in foreclosure. You know, compared to a, a year ago, there was 465,000 homes. But, right. But 365 or 325,000 homes in foreclosure sounds like a big number, but right. not nationwide. It's it's right. actually a, a, a fairly low. Well, considering number as a percentage what of the, the typical stock. transactions are yeah. each year. We do about currently around five and a half million sale transactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even just in comparison to that, and, right. and, and not everybody's selling their house at the same time. I mean, turnover rates are usually only about anywhere from 6 to 10% right. in any particular neighborhood, and some of them even smaller. That's right. So it's really a, a minority of, of the numbers. And, and, you know, in our area, we're, we're lucky here, you mm-hmm. know, of course, because we, we have never had quite the, the level of foreclosure activity. But um, what's your best guess of of um, the the states that had the most foreclosures? The states that had the most? Yeah, if we kind of look back over over history, 
you know, over the last like 10 years. Because what, what's interesting is... Okay, we're um, not getting to my stats. I know okay. that. Well, <laughs> so, no, 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 no. This, okay. this is well, no, because the states though. I had the most foreclosures were places like Florida, New Jersey, uh, yeah. Arizona, Nevada. So this um, is a statistic that struck me. 36% of all the foreclosures, mm-hmm. you know, we had... Um, we're in, fl- you're right, Florida, mm-hmm. Michigan, mm-hmm. Texas, yep. Ohio, yep. and Georgia. Yeah. That's it. So 36% Georgia always surprises states. me, but Michigan yeah. and um, well, Ohio, sure, yeah, because they got they hit. Rust Belt stuff. And, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Detroit's yeah. still suffering. Yes, they, they have. And their water's lousy, too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. in Flint, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, big time. I know. So anyway, but it's, yeah, it's all it's all um, really good news. Okay. It's telling us that there is a strong housing market, mm-hmm. and that our borrowers right now, the ones that are, are getting loans now, they're solid loans. You know, and, and we well, we'll see to- how that goes because, as you know, with the new HUD secretary coming in, there may be some changes to the Dodd Frank Act because some of those things that uh, are causing those people to be stronger borrowers are things such as the ability to repay and a few other things that are out there. But we're going to maybe chat about that a little bit more when we come back. If you have questions for us, it's 866-712-1300 at Open House with Team Reba. We'll be right back. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba. And every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, we bring you real estate and finance news and always have on hopefully mm-hmm. live and interesting guests. Well, they're all live. Oh, God, I hope oh, they're live. Wow. Yeah. I know you just came from a funeral. Oh, my I God, know. what are you wishing on us? <laughs> so, and speaking of oh, lively here. Yeah, so... Well, <laughs> Let's invite, uh, welcome <laughs> Philip. So, so Philip David. So, um, so Benash 1031 Real, Real Estate Exchanges. Welcome, Philip. Thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here to talk about exchanges. Well, a and, subject and, I love. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> See, I'm it's going to be lively. We got hot and alive. talk going on here today. Yes. So, so and, and, and Philip, you've, you've been kind enough to help, help uh, me and, and, and my team with some exchanges here recently. They all went fantastic. And some of our listeners are going to be questioning, like, what is a 1031 exchange? Can you kind of walk us through it? Well, 1031 Exchange is, is an avenue to get a, an interest-free loan from Uncle Sam. So basically what you're doing is you're selling your investment real estate, and as a result of buying a replacement property, following the procedures in, in the Internal Revenue Code, you don't have to pay the capital gains and depreciation mm-hmm. recapture taxes. And you get to postpone that indefinitely until you sell the real estate and don't do an exchange. So it's a great tool for people to maintain wealth as opposed to paying a large sum when they sell a property and then when they want to invest what's left, they've lost Mm -hmm. 50,000, 200,000, depending upon what their tax load is. Right. And it's not often you get to hear a 
free loan from the government. No, absolutely. <laughs> abs- 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 it's usually the other way around. Well, that's right. That it we're is. talking about. And, and the purpose of of the code is to encourage reinvestment. Correct. And it's to encourage that to to carry on, right? Well, yeah, and and I think it's 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 really a wonderful thing because if you think about it, every time you have a real estate transaction, you're generating a lot of economic activity. Yes, on you the are. Selling end, you're getting ready. Mm-hmm. And on the on the buying end, you know the other guy's getting ready for you to buy, and mm-hmm. then you fix things up after you get it to make it more suitable for your use. Right, and that's the same thing. Well, you hope an, someone's fixing it up. Yeah. Some 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 maybe not so much. But, but yes, but it really contributes to the community in terms of economic activity. It absolutely does. And in some ways, this is a topic that's been coming up on some of our rental discussions. It might allow for the opportunity of more affordable housing because if someone does have more to put into a property they may not have to jack rents up like it may not necessarily mean that the new owner has to take that same property and increase the pricing of the rent so high that the people who were living there can't be there any longer because that's a lot of what's happening in the seattle area right now is people are being priced out completely and when new ownership takes in you know takes over a property Oftentimes, if it's a newer investor and they only have like the smallest amount down, they're usually, because of the prices of the property here, having to jack the rents up immediately to make sure that they get cash flow on them. It's not that someone absolutely would, because Eric giving me an eyeball look like, well, I wouldn't do that. I'd make sure I'm at market (laughs) rent. But for some folks, some people like to provide a more affordable housing option. So it does actually give some ability to that. We actually have um, several people who are doing 1031 exchanges right now. And one of my questions about how they're doing it, um, and maybe you might have some insight because you do these all the time. I get a few of them every year. But I have clients who are doing basically a one-for-one and they're not adding on any new debt load. And so they're getting like, say, $400,000 out of a property, and they're just going to go buy outright another property. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you take that four hundred and perhaps take a hundred apiece and go get four properties? Well, well let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a certainly viable option and is done frequently where you can start an exchange with one property sell it for 400000 mm-hmm. and then decide to acquire four properties. Yeah. And so you can do that in an exchange and end up with four properties if you, if you want to. I mean, to me, it just seems like a great way to continue expanding your portfolio. Well, I think that's what, what a lot of people do as they're, as they're going up. But another piece of the exchange which really needs to be understood is it allows businesses that are selling their own location where they mm-hmm. do their business to expand and get a larger property. And so what it does is... It oh, so this is available to a business as well as individuals? Corporations. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they do it on commercial properties. It's a very frequent thing. And it, it really, what it, what it allows people to do is to expand their horizons. And a small manufacturing business can go from one location to a larger location to another larger location without the capital hit. That's without great. Without the capital hit. Well, didn't didn't the original IRS code? Uh, it was originally called a like kind exchange, and wasn't it originally also for equipment, tools and equipment, things like that. You you can do it for. It's called a personal property exchange, and you can do it. A lot of construction companies do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavy equipment stuff like that, even aircraft. But you know, in in oh, I so do, that's outside of my yeah. licensing. So yeah. that yeah. probably is 
why I haven't ever paid attention to that, right. but that's interesting to know. You, you've never 1031 exchanged your airplane? I'm just kidding. No, but I, I, no, but I know. No, <laughs> yeah. see, now I knew that you could do that with an airplane. Sure. I did not necessarily know that about some of the business and tools and things. So that's right, actually right. rather fascinating information. Well, Philip, let's talk uh, about the the timeline and and some of the restrictions on this because to yes. meet this 1031, you have some strict rules about that. Yes. And especially, you can't touch the money, right? Yeah, that's true. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to touch the money, but you do own it all the time. It's always going to be in a safe bank in your name there you so go. that right. you're, it's going to come in to to, uh, to buy what you want to buy. The timelines on, our, on an exchange are fairly basic. When you sell your, re, your relinquished property, property that you own, when that transfers to the new owner, then there's 180 days leeway for when you have to be in con- in title on the property on that the you're buying. Yeah, it's 180 right. to close, but you have to identify in the first uh, the first 45 days of the 180 is you have to identify candidates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get hung up on that. For, they do. For good for and and for a fair reason, but one thing that uh someone thinking about a 1031 should realize is you could have a property tied up already have a contract before you even sell your first property. Right. And you can do that exchange and get it done within a week or two mm-hmm. after you've closed on the property you're selling. But the what I would like to emphasize to people about doing exchanges is it's really no more difficult than selling one property and buying another property except for the 45-day requirement. Right. We're going to take care of everything that interacts on the exchange with escrow at both ends, and it's going to be Actually, in many cases, clients tell me it's easier than doing a sale and a buy because they have another kind of advisor in their mm-hmm. court as so they're going through. Tr- you're very, you're very deemed true. a qualified intermediary Correct. in this situation. Um, so explain that a little bit to our listeners because you're saying, oh, yes, we're helping kind of in the middle of all this, but maybe be a little more specific about what that means because what are you qualified to be an intermediary for? Well, it's specifically <laughs> qualified to be an intermediary for a ten, uh, an internal revenue code 1031 exchange. And but you're it, holding – you're basically helping hold the funds Well, the because you said the, the owner can't – touch those funds. The, the, the way it works is, is that when we sell the property, the relinquished mm-hmm. property, is we've set up a qualified escrow deposit account with the bank that we deal with, mm-hmm. and we open a separate account just for our exchanger. So it goes in, it's under the umbrella of our company, mm-hmm. but it's in the name of the exchanger. Right. And we set it up so that it requires our signature and their signature to move the money. So a client never has to worry about money moving out of that bank without their right. involvement. Right. And that's always a concern for people. The first time mm-hmm. I did an exchange as a as a customer, mm-hmm. I was like, "Whoa, this is quite an interesting episode here." Yeah. I do I sell a property, the money goes somewhere, I don't see it, and somebody else is holding it. Right. But nowadays we've gone to that qualified escrow deposit account that it's not only it's not only visible but it requires their involvement. Was there ever a time in the past where they would go into like a commingled account? There absolutely was. Okay, because I was going to say, I was aware of a company locally that when a lawsuit about an old gas station on Queen Anne went into effect, it really wreaked havoc with this firm because those those funds had once been very briefly held mm-hmm. inside of their company and it really re- wreaked havoc with the business because it was in a commingled account. 
at it, the time. And this was a, quite a long time ago. It's been deemed it, it's been deemed to be inappropriate, and in many states to include our state, mm-hmm. it's not allowed in a typical exchange transaction for it not to be in a separate account. Now, mm-hmm. some some of the very very large exchange companies will buy a certain type of bond, and then they can, in fact, keep funds in one central pot. Okay. But the smaller companies like mine, what we Mm -hmm. use, the qualified escrow deposit account, I find it a phenomenal tool. The clients like it. They're involved. Mm -hmm. They know they have solid control. Right. And we can provide bank statements, the whole thing. So a question for you as someone's going through an exchange, because you said they're not supposed to touch it, and, and we have to use this term every once in a while. We'll say, yeah, because if you do actually get any of the funds, it's what's referred to as boot, right? Yeah, well, if you get it, it's called constructive receipt, even if mm-hmm. – and, and you can't have constructive receipt and then subsequently use it in the exchange. Right. That's a very common um, situation we run up to, especially in the lending mm-hmm. world. Some will say, oh, I – I just sold this home and now I want to buy a new rental property and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do a 1031 exchange and we're like, no, you're too late. Yeah, you, know, you already put the money in your account. Because once you've already got the money, you, missed you the can't boat. do that. Mm-hmm. But it is possible. Isn't it possible to do a, a reverse exchange? It is. And a reverse exchange would be a subject for the next segment, I'm sure. It'll be yeah. tough to pull that one out and oh, right, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, in like 30 <laughs> no, seconds we'll, or something like that. We'll cover that. But just to summarize then for our listeners then. So number one, if, if you have a, an investment property, you're planning on selling it, and, and, and do intend to purchase another investment property, do a little bit of planning up front and get that, you know, talk with an exchange facilitator, get mm-hmm. that all set up in advance. Because once you sell, you have 45 days to identify, you know, your candidates of, of properties. And that's up to three, correct? That's a, okay, correct. Okay, up to three properties. Well, you can identify more, but you have to put mm-hmm. three in writing, and it yep. has to be at least one of those three you close on. If you if you identify more, there's special rules, and we'll help mm-hmm. them through that sure. to okay. do that. So we got 45 days to identify our candidates, and then we have a total of six months to get everything closed. You know, But the trick is to get this all set up before you know, your, the home that you're selling uh, closes. So... I do still have a question, though, because I know everything has to go into that one account. But when we come back, I really want to ask about how all the funds can be used, including how they affect closing costs as well. Okay, so when we get back and if you have questions, our listeners, it's 866-712-1300. And we'll be back in just a few. Got a question? Call it in. 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Every time you say that, it seems like that name gets longer and longer and longer. <laughs> REMAX Metro If you Eastside. would like, I could start yeah. to slow down That's how okay. I say it. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need that. Just, yeah. <laughs> for our listeners, though, this is a live call-in show. Yes, we are here. If you have questions for us or our guest, give us a ring. You can reach us toll-free at 866 712 1300. You can also tweet mm-hmm. us at Team Reba or at Eric is my banker. 
and uh, mm-hmm. always available to answer questions yep. and even off the air. We have some folks that they, they're just nervous about calling in. Yeah, they, we had they, a couple calls even, last week yeah, that we didn't even get to have on air. Like, no, I don't want to go in the air. I just yeah. want to ask a question. Yeah, we had and, a couple of folks call. We had one gal who wanted to talk to us about agency and another fellow who was actually interested in our investor class. That's right. That we want to put together. So, yes. yes. Hey, maybe we can have David show up for that one. I think we ought to. <laughs> We'll we'll um, put them on the put them on the spot here, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, give you an invite you didn't know was coming. But <laughs> well, yes, that we're going to end up doing a series of them. So at some point, yes, absolutely, we should uh, get some folks involved on on the whole spectrum. Absolutely, of investment. So absolutely. we have um, have um, uh, you know, Philip David here with mm-hmm. um, Benash Real Estate Ten Thirty One Exchanges, and and uh, Philip uh, before the break, we I was throwing out a question there on a reverse exchange. So most people uh, on an exchange, they they sell the home and then they they buy the home. They exchange into that to avoid paying the capital gains taxes and recapture of depreciation uh, expenses and all that. How does a reverse exchange work? Well, a reverse exchange is significantly more complicated than a straightforward forward exchange. But it's very valuable to people who know exactly what they want to buy and Mm -hmm. that property is available. And they have the wherewithal to either be able to pay for it with cash mm-hmm. or have Eric the banker helping them where they can get a loan and allow an exchange accommodation title holder to go into title on that property. What does that mean? That's a fancy way of saying when you do a reverse exchange, the exchanger, the person that owns the property and the, the one that's going to buy the other one, can't be in title on both of them at the same time. So what happens is we establish an LLC, and that LLC actually goes in title on the property which they are buying before they sell their relinquished property. So now we go in title on that property, and we acquire it with funds that they essentially loaned us. Okay. And so we're entitled in that property. Now, it's significant because most of the time these properties are some kind of economic engine where there's some rents involved and a business is involved, et cetera. So what we do is we lease it back to the exchanger so they can operate their new property, which they're getting as part of that reverse exchange. That they do not yet own. Typically. They're they're leasing it. You're right. Technically, they're leasing it. It's it's the way it's done, in but they don't hold on to it very long like that, though. Well, it's got to be six months or less, okay, to to stay within the the the, the hundred and eighty day okay. time frame on that. So they've got to be pretty clear about what the funds are coming out from the relinquished property that will go into this property, and they're basing what they're loaned through the bank on that information. Well, uh, oh, from well, the financing is a completely separate topic uh, mm-hmm. from that. So right. that requires that's a bit more involved as well. But basically, yes. I mean, they so essentially they're buying the new property first. Well, you are mm-hmm. the exchanger. Um, uh, then the current old current property is being sold, and then the exchange is is processed. Correct. Well, what happens once the once the property that they own in the first place sells? At that point, then we transfer the the property that we are holding title to to the exchanger, so they now have it. But I want you to think about the advantages of, an, of a reverse exchange. For a client that has a good investment that they're selling and a great investment that they're buying, for a period of time, they have both working for them because they, they still own the one they're selling mm-hmm. and they're leasing the one that they're ultimately going to own. 
we're and they're completely running that business and they've loaned us the money so in essence the lease cost is offset by the interest that we're paying them and the net result is it's just basically that loan how many of those do you do um i would say i typically do four to six a year okay so that's mm. like five percent of your business yeah okay yeah, so it's not the majority of okay it, it's a rarity and i it's more it's more frequently done with commercial properties than it is with call it residential right. or small okay apartments. well i don't want to dwell too much on it yeah. if it's going to be kind of a minority product because yeah. I think for a lot of our listeners if this is brand new to them we might be just shooting right over their head <laughs> on yeah, some but, of these. but these are these are ideas that that are, are good to be out there because there is oh, someone I'm not saying they're not driving good around to be out out there but if this is an introduction to 1031 oh, we might be uh, yeah. throwing in a little bit more absolutely. than you went to third we year. need to yeah. yeah well I mean we want a broader view and we can you know I mean it's I don't know. Uh, Philip, I would hope that you would be willing to come back on another time to maybe even dive further into something like that because it seems like it would probably have a lot more detail that needs well, to go into on I'm, it. I'm enjoying the conversation because yeah. I like to – exchangers are neat people. And any chance I have that people can hear about how to do it and how it can help their lives mm-hmm. – Oh, yeah. It's just I, I'm always happy to do that. Well, so honestly, right. for, for many of our listeners, just the, the, the existence of a 1031 is, is, is going to be new information. Right. I even see that in my industry. I'm talking with loan officers, and, and we will talk about a 1031, and they're like, what's that? And uh, it's, so it's, it's something that mm-hmm. not everybody has, has familiarity with. So it's, Well, that's it's why I want to kind of keep it at the 50,000-foot mm-hmm. level well, because I can tell you as an example, you know, we had – clients that moved from the Chicago area many, many years ago. And thankfully, you know, they had reached out to me and my team at the time and said, hey, we're interested since we're, you know, we've moved here. We're interested in having a rental property. And thankfully, we dove enough into the conversation with them. We found out they were in the middle of selling this rental back in Chicago mm-hmm. and they hadn't closed yet. Okay. And so just FYI for our listeners out there, if you happen to be in the middle of this right now, it's not too late because they Absolutely. were still in escrow and we were able within a week or two to get them set up to do the exchange and they're per- and we saved them a ton of money and that customer was just like Nobody in our place in Chicago even told us about this. Philip is, is giving me the eye right now because uh, I have one of my... Because you flung a few of, that way? Of, yeah, <laughs> I, we have a particular loan officer in our office who's very good at bringing these up at the last minute. He, he does, threw, does the first name start with S? It might. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> he, he, he threw, a, he threw a, a just before Christmas present. In I in know. my direction. But it was no problem. Oh, and your Christmas was even with. more exciting. <laughs> Okay, oh, and, and Philip's like, no problem, and <laughs> off it went, and it sailed right through, and, and excellent, did a fantastic job. And it on finished that, so. last week. Yeah, both yeah. both legs. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was it was one of those people where they were they had it planned what they were going to do. They just hadn't decided that they were going to do it. Right. That's <laughs> oh right. gosh. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, only a small portion of the story. I'll have to tell you the rest of the <laughs> yeah. story on that one. Well, so I'm going to throw a couple of other um, because this is. You know, the real estate side of things as well as the mortgage and, and 1031s are important. I'm going to throw a couple strategies at, uh, for folks who are worried about timelines. Because one of the closings that we have going on right now, one of the things we did within a contract, because here's the thing, what we didn't get to earlier in the show was how fast is inventory moving here? Because maybe someone doesn't want to buy outside of the area. Maybe they want to be able to drive by their property, right? Because mm-hmm. right now, you know, the average sale price of a home across the rest of the United States is 
quite small compared mm-hmm. to our area. Uh, on average, you're seeing 220, 260, those kinds of price points. Uh, in fact, actually, we have someone who just moved here from Florida. Is like, I could buy three houses in Florida for the price of the homes up here. And there are some people who just, you know, maybe they're not willing to buy somewhere else. You know, one of our 1031 people, she's going to go to Knoxville. She's going to look at property there because she's worried about finding something here in time. You know, and so, you know, there's all these complications. People will start getting hung up on all of it. But what we did for one of our customers is we wrote into their contract because we knew the type of buyer they were going to have. We wrote into their contract that they had an option up to a certain number of days before closing to give notice of an extension. That if they hadn't quite identified yet, like if they were worried about the 45 days and they wanted a little more time to feel comfortable, we could extend their closing. Mm -hmm. And then that would automatically give them more time to keep looking. Because for him, this is a person who's a teacher, but also in school right now himself. So working, going to school, and then dealing with this. And we know how much time is spent evaluating and crunching numbers and working with his property manager and all the other things. So he wanted that little breathing room sure. to think about it. And so we actually wrote in up to three extensions into his contract so that if he felt he needed to, we could. Now he's opted. We did one very small extension based on the buyer's requirements, but he's now in his 45 days, but we still feel like he's got plenty to look at because he mostly wants new construction and he wants up kind of by where the rail line is going to be going in. And, you know, we talked to him about what's going on with our market because if you look at absorption rate in King County right now, we're averaging as of uh, November 2016, we're at 1.1 months of inventory. Still very, very low. Very, very low. Now, that's the absorption rate. And for people listening to the show, that means if we were to stop anything else coming on the market and just had to sell everything that was there right now based on the traction of sales that we have going on right now, the the average number of sales happening per day, it would take 1.1 months to To sell sell out what's there. Mm -hmm. However, another report that we've got from the MLS as of December showing here's the actual closed sale reports for all of King County. And the average time on market in most areas is, you know, we see 21 days. I see even upwards of 65 days in some places, but the the typical, the average is 33. So even though a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, everything's selling in a week. No, it's not. It's not necessarily. So there are still market areas where we're seeing 40 plus, even close to 60 days. So we're trying not to completely scare people out of trying to buy locally because they're afraid they're just going to get they're going to miss out because you know some of these properties have multiple offers on them and that's what they're worried about is gosh if I go for the best property I'm going to lose out because I'm going to be bidding against 20 other people. Right. But there actually is inventory out there that's still very very reasonable. But to your point though, you can take this 1031 exchange anywhere, right? That's right. And now, it's only within the US though, is that it correct? It is with, it's only within the US. Okay. But a critical thing on, on replacement properties is to realize that you can get any kind of investment property. If you own vacant land, you can buy a rental house. If you mm-hmm. own a rental house, you could buy an apart an apartment house mm-hmm. or a retail strip. Mm-hmm. So if it's real property definition, it, it qualifies. And, and if so it's for you, business purposes, like we were joking earlier, it could be a plane. Isn't it? But it can't okay. be. You can't start with real property and do a plane. Has to be like. Oh, it has to be like kind. Has to be like kind. Yeah, so okay. plane for plane, real estate for real estate. Okay. That sort of thing. When we come back, I think we Maybe have we'll a few more questions for Phil, David, with Benash Real Estate, ten three one real exchanges. Stay tuned for more on Open House with Team Reba.
Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba. And we have with us here Philip David. Thanks again for joining us today, Philip. It's a pleasure. Uh, first time we've had a guest on talking about 1031 exchanges, and we're mm-hmm. learning a lot today. Yes. So really, really appreciate your taking the time to join us. Absolutely. So th- these these are great programs, a way to avoid paying taxes or delay paying taxes on, on the exchange of a, any uh, real estate investment. So it has to be investment. You can't use this for your principal residence. That's a whole different uh, tax code, uh, correct? Correct. Okay. And um, what, what's a, a typical 1031 exchange transaction cost? Well, for someone to do a forward exchange, there, I'm going to give you a range because there, there's a lot of prices all over the marketplace. But I, you should typically expect to pay f- to do an exchange where you sell one property and acquire a new property to pay around $800 for, for both legs. I mean, total of $800. That's it? That's it. And some exchange companies will charge a little more if, it, if it's more expensive, but I do flat rates. It's $850 in my case for selling one property and acquiring another property and I'm not concerned about how much either property costs. For crying okay. out loud, so and, and and just let's put that into perspective because if I if I sell an investment property, buy one without doing an exchange, let's say it's a it's a half a million dollar property, you know potentially I, I could be looking at at tens of thousands of dollars in in taxes paid. You know I that. look at I look at a typical person that has owned an investment property for ten years in the Seattle area. I would venture to say, if you got a four hundred to five hundred thousand dollar house, that your tax bite after owning it for ten years will be in excess of forty thousand dollars. Yeah, you run that mm-hmm. by your CPA, it could easily be sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So the bottom line is, is when you do an exchange, you're going to pay, in my case, eight hundred and fifty dollars to sell one, acquire another one, and you're going to have deferred. And as I said earlier in the show, getting an mm-hmm. interest-free loan from Uncle Sam for that amount of money yeah. for as long as you own that next piece of property. Or even if you do another exchange later on, I you, mean, you can continue you can rolling con- through on these things you if can, you choose. And, you know, it's been around in the tax code. We, people have been doing exchanges since the dawn of income tax in this country. So there have been exchanges going on for 90 years. Excellent. And it's been, it's been much more structured in the last 30 years but the but the point is is it's it's something that the the country has seen a need for and has kept it alive in spite of many many times where there's been attempts to get away do away with it because people immediately think of it if you do away with 1031s then you don't have these tax deferments you get more revenue into the government but they can, they seem to always come back to the economic engines that mm-hmm. come out of the the turnover of real estate, and so they've mm-hmm. kept it in the code. And I suspect it will stay in the well, code. Well, as you mentioned, this is something that's absolutely critical for businesses. So as those businesses grow and develop, I mean, that it would stymie 
our growth if we had to have people doing all of that. So I, I think many people look very short-sightedly and it would, when they're trying to get rid of these types of things. And but, it will reduce the number of transactions mm-hmm. because yeah. people will hold on to properties that they oh, would yeah. like to sell. Right. That's right. That's right. Right. And and a lot of times we see folks looking at, at um, exchanging a property when the properties become fully depreciated. Is that something that you see typically? Well, th- that drives it because at that point they're no longer getting the – the tax advantages of depreciation. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. of course, they would like to be able to depreciate, but in that case, they would have to buy something more expensive Mm -hmm. because if they bought at the same level across an $800,000 property for another $800,000 property, they'd have no new equity to depreciate. Got it. So you can only depreciate the the increased amount of, of, of equity that you're that you're acquiring if you're coming out of a fully depreciated property. Right. 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 All and the for more our listeners, buy, buy yeah, more than one. Typical depreciation lasts. It's twenty seven and a half years. Five. Yes. Right. So, um, if you if you didn't hear over the two of us, twenty seven point five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since we both said it, sort of at the same time, but um, you know, it, well, and that's the thing about the client that we are working with right now. I'm still surprised that he hasn't done something a little bit different about his situation because we've tried to get him more engaged with his exchange facilitator because he's owned that property since the 90s and he probably is at the tail end of his Mm -hmm. depreciation schedule. So we're kind of like, are you really paying attention to what's going on with your property over here? Because really you might want to be considering splitting that into a couple of places, taking on some new debt and then, you know, you'd still get good cash flow because of the amount of equity position you would have. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Reba, speaking of debt and one thing that, that clients, future exchangers need to understand, if they have a property that's current value is 500000 and they have $200,000 of debt in it, mm-hmm. they basically have to buy flat across at 500000 so, and either replace that debt or add mm-hmm. new money to the exchange. Right. A lot of people have the misconception that they just need to reinvest the equity, meaning what they get after mm-hmm. at, at closing, but that's not the case. If you want to fully defer your taxes, you got to go the same level or, or So let's higher. let's let's uh, explain that again. So if if I if I sell a home for 500 and I owe 200 on it, I have $300,000 in equity. So uh, what you're let's just sort of rough numbers. So what you're saying is, if I buy exchange into a new home, I really need to buy one for at least five hundred thousand, and also take out a loan for two hundred thousand to to maintain that. I can't just buy something for three hundred, which is the equity I'm pulling out of the old property. You can, and then what you mentioned boot before, and mm-hmm. in that case, if you got three hundred thousand in cash out of your sale. And you got two hundred thousand of debt paid off, and you bought something for three hundred thousand. IRS would look at you and say, "You have you have received what's called debt boot." Yes. And that two hundred thousand would be taxable, and you'll go, "Well, how can it be taxable? I don't even have it." Right. But mm-hmm. but it will be taxable, and it will be treated as gain and depreciation recapture. And so you could have a sizable tax on that money that you didn't on get. On that difference. And the same is true because I get this question as well. Okay, well, I want to do an exchange, but I want to keep 50000 in my pocket mm-hmm. and not transfer that over. And that is perfectly okay. What, you, what should we do is you structure it and you have it come out 
either at the beginning of the exchange or it comes out at the end of the exchange. In fact, the one we hustled through on over yes. the Christmas was exactly like that, where there's certain money was left over. They're going to get that. They get it refunded at the end of the exchange, and then that becomes taxable boot. Okay. And they can look at paying 25 to 30% of that as taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. 25 to 30? Isn't capital gains significantly lower than that? Well, capital gains is is 23% nowadays for people okay. who are in the upper income bracket. And then... And but not everybody, not everybody right. who has rental property is considered upper income bracket, though. That's true. So a capital gain is 15%, and depreciation recapture mm-hmm. is 25 and upper income brackets, capital gains is 20%. Okay. So it can vary. So you really, really, really need to be talking to your CPA if you're going to be doing something like this. You really have to look at your personal situation and have a good person on your side who can evaluate this because that that was the thing this one of our clients he went and talked to his cousin the cpa and i'm like i don't think that went well is his name name block no no it's actually really a cousin but seriously i mean i'm looking at this customer going are you sure you got the right advice because i tried to turn him over to my cpa who does understand these things very extensively Mm -hmm. and i thought I hope this is going to go okay. So that same customer is, he's all cash, right? He's getting, you know, he has no debt on his property Mm -hmm. and he's going to be buying a place. So part of the question that I had that I keep trying to ask him, and again, going back to even, you know, like, hey, talk to your CPA. I need to find out and get confirmation on this. Be talking to your uh, exchange people. Can his funds go towards closing costs too? Because we're looking at the price points of houses he's going to buy to replace. And it's like some of them are just below that. Four hundred two thousand. He's going to get. It's like, well, do I need to count in closing costs or not? Normally, on on closing on the the buy mm-hmm. buy side, the the escrow fees and things mm-hmm. like that, and the exchange fees are all deducted. They they don't have to be included in the amount you reinvest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so yes and yes and no. You have to okay. look at the eaches. Okay. So you got to talk to some people about this. Okay. Well, we want to thank everyone who's been listening today to Open House with Team Reba, and we definitely want to thank Mr. Philip David from Banash Real Property Exchanges for being with thank us. Thank you, Reba. It's been fun. Yes, we'll be back next Tuesday from three to four p.m. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash max metro east side on facebook or email info at teamreba.com join us again next tuesday at three for more open house with team reba here on business radio 1300 kkol program sponsored by team reba of remax metro east side and eric osnes of home street bank home mortgage